0: Hey, welcome to Adam and Steve Save the Music Industry, and here's how we're going to save it. Each episode, we're going to put forward two brilliant new ideas that are certain to save the music industry. We'll thrash it out, make our arguments, and choose our best of the pair, sending it off to Universal or Spotify or Beyonce or whoever to implement it. It's foolproof. Even a couple of fools like us can manage it. So without further ado, hello. Good morning. What, what, and what a morning it is. What a morning it is. So far. Yes, yeah. yes. We've had... We've had audio problems and next-door neighbours mowing their lawns, but hey. Right, so last time, uh, checking the notes, I won. It's my turn to go first, so (laughs) I'm going to propose that it is embedded into recording contracts, all recording contracts, that the artist and or band are duty-bound to undertake talent scouting and A&R artist and repertoire responsibilities so just for any listeners who don't know what A&R is traditionally record labels have a division called A&R they're the people who go out find the talent find the artists work with them develop them over a bit of time and get them really honed and ready to be release worthy so rather than have a whole team of people doing that instead we we give that job role over to the bands themselves. There is time allocated to it within their contracts, and uh, there is also, let's say, some sort of financial reward. Maybe even the record deal will not be renewed unless they fulfill this obligation. So, record label signs Radiohead. Whilst Radiohead are are recording albums, touring, releasing music, making loads of money. Um, another thing they have to do is find another great band that could be Radiohead 2.0 or maybe they're different, but chances are they're going to be sort of in the same stylistic arena. Um, the the idea behind this is it keeps artists and bands grounded. It keeps them tapped into the independent scene. It keeps them tapped into the roots of of, of the live scenes, of the small-scale live scenes. Um, yeah i i haven't thought about it much more beyond that um i Hmm. just thought it it, rather than it being all about the the sort of executive types business people looking for things wanting to find artists and take them to places it becomes about artists finding artists
1: Uh, i love it already i've got a big smile on my face cool i'm I'm into this already
0: (laughs) i mean so
1: um yeah right they're not they're not performing the a and r for themselves they're finding what for the for the record label to say look here's here's mm. this act we found yeah. uh you should consider signing them mm. in much yeah much the way that uh, an a&r might have done in the in the 90s or the 80s a yeah. uh, record label mm. and and
0: what they take a they take a salary for that Yeah, maybe maybe they get a few points on the sort of Mm. royalty distribution or something, Um, you know, but it's not Mm. just that they find them and go, here they are, traditionally record labels would work, um, sorry, A&R guys would work with um, a band or an artist over a period of time to kind of Mm. help develop develop and grow and get everything really coherent and gelled. You hand that job roll over to another band that's on the label. I, I guess part of this also ties mm. into um, ideas of, of kind of coaching and teaching and how much you can learn about yourself mm. when you're trying to coach or teach someone else mm. about said topic. If a band's already been on the circuit yeah, right. for two or three years, they've got a nice lot of experience. However, they're also still a bit new and a bit dialed into to what's going on. More so than maybe some guy in his 50s who's been doing it for donkey's years and he goes, oh, I have my methods and I know my ways and we we'll do it this way. You know, there's, if you're younger, you're still more pliable, a bit more versatile, whatever. It's kind of like, you know, when you get those teachers who are like 23, 24 and they're they're still full of all that, that vigor of youth and they're still like <laughs> hit with the kids but at the same time, they've got a lot of knowledge and a few years experience. And it's, there's just this little kind of golden window where the kids love them mm. and really respond to them. They, they're not too old and haggard yet, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, kind of thinking along those sorts of lines.
1: Yeah. I love it. like, and there's a, um, I don't know how, re- how recent, a uh, I think this is whether it's always sort of happened, I suppose. Um, it always has, but, uh, that like there's a definitely a trend of label of bands starting labels mm-hmm. um of, of artists using the the capital that they've built up in uh through their own recordings to to bring other people up um i think of like a jack white or a kanye west or um i oh, well there you go as always um you've got their like uh, the apple record label mm. that the Beatles set up um and i love that i love this as a like formal extension of that into making it uh yeah part of part of bringing it into the artist's practice uh that alongside writing and recording performing they're also mentoring
0: yeah yeah exactly um because i think that would benefit everyone i think that would benefit both the people being mentored and it would help open perspectives and and give create creative ideas to to those doing the mentoring it would it would certainly be a two-way situation
1: mm. yeah I, I, like i've had an idea of, or like yeah this this idea of like patronage rattling around in my head for a little bit recently um you know the, the idea that if if the the sort of traditional like industry structure has gone away is going away or is changing Mm. um you know what what other models have have there been do there continue to be for uh creative industries um that don't have a a a big you know a big industrial part of them you know musicians before recorded music had patrons right if you think of a like i don't know a, a, a tommy tallis or a like don't know as a a pre pre pre-classical pre-modern musician they were they were a a patron to a to a king or a duke or a church
0: Hmm.
1: um like i i'm I'm wondering a lot at the moment about how how that could work a modern visual artist right now might might have a patron in terms of like a like a collector that buys their work Mm -hmm. or particular galleries that they have like like you're talking about this kind of um two-way street thing of mutual benefit where that that buyer or that gallery has has more access to the artist's work in exchange for the artist having more security in in their in their in their practice and so, and so I wonder why why this isn't happening or why we're not aware of this already happening like what like where are those artists that are stepping up and doing that that mentorship doing that patronage Mm. for the people coming up Uh, and doing it in more more than just it like come on come and support us for a few dates on our world tour Mm. which you see a lot which is great but um
0: have it have it be a more more cemented established thing right um and, and other people know that this is the band that so and so are mentoring um and bringing to the forefront and yeah they they tour together for maybe two or three years um maybe even collaborate Mm. on some works or something i don't know but also uh, another thing was um just that you know when you talk to musicians about what music they're listening to yeah and it's often people you've never heard of and it's it's weird and it's wonderful and it's it's (laughs) fringe and it's unusual um just that as well you know getting musicians to yeah. find musicians to put into the mainstream man that it, it would it would change the mainstream it would b- bring the fringe stuff and the more alternative stuff into into the center a bit more um which i think could be really interesting um record labels being so risk averse today if you've got a panel of musicians arguing the case with the executives to sign this band it might just swing it the other way and convince them to take a few more risks.
1: Like the, I do wonder like to what extent like executives feel confident about their signings, you know, like, yeah. uh, like how, how, how do you, how on earth do you go, okay, this is the one, this is the one band in, in, in 10,000 mm-hmm. that, that is going to have a career and and uh, like, and so i feel like actually having that burden taken away and and put onto artists mm. that that a label already trusts um yeah i like yeah, i think i think that works as well i think that works for both parties in that in that situation
0: it's mm. more about addressing the culture um and so you set the wheels in motion now and then 10 to 15 years time that's that's when we start to see the results truly, as as once everything's bedded in um, and everyone understands how this system would work and all the kind of creases have been ironed out, um, that's when it would really start to pay dividends and we'd start to be exposed to music that they just wouldn't have otherwise been exposed to. Um, And then as you bring the wacky people, slightly more fringe artists into the fold, of course, now they are required to A&R themselves Mm. and and go out and find other people and like i was saying before you build in enough time and provision and resource into the job role to allow you know time every year for for the artist or every month or whatever for the bands to carry out these duties
1: Uh, it's great yeah yeah yeah. um so uh, so how about the uh, the risks right so um so say uh, whatever band we're talking about radiohead say so radiohead signs this new band um uh what would they be called the uh the big wellies <laughs> let's say, let's yep. say the, the big wellies right. get signed um and they 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 put this big expensive record out and it's a massive flop yep. like traditionally the record label would take that hit mm-hmm. um would they be would they be tempted to pass that pass that risk on to the the artist that was the a and r in that
0: yeah i mean this is this is what what i was thinking about as a possible sort of thorn in the side of this idea um is that you yes yes you play you're putting that risk onto onto the the band uh who are talent scouting so the band is eligible to a certain percentage point of the whoever it is and mm. So the welly, yes. what were they called, the big wellies? Big the wellies, big, yeah, mate. So a, a small percentage of the big wellies' money goes to Radiohead for for finding them, for talent scousing them, for developing them, for working with them. Um, so first of all, if the big wellies flop the radiohead radiohead are going to lose out some money but of course radiohead are investing the record label's money so maybe there's also some upward there's some upward financial loss as well so radiohead mm-hmm. have to shoulder some of that but then i don't know that starts to get a bit murky that's that that is something that would need some addressing some looking i mean you
1: can you can imagine a situation where you, you think of it in terms of, like, Radiohead owning 5% of the big wellies. Mm. And if if that's 5% of profit, then great. If it's 5% of losses, then, you know, that's that's the investment. Mm. Um, yeah. Y- you take the risk and
0: you, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and firstly, it encourages them to properly find genuinely mm. good quality stuff. Um, as opposed to just going, oh my god, we need to fill a quota for this stupid cause yeah, in our contractual account. obligation. grab the first band we yeah. see. You know, no, they are obliged. They've got to be working with them. So, and there's money involved, so they will hopefully, or generally, take it seriously, and go and find proper acts to to promote. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe the record label would still have the final say. I, I don't know. I haven't thought about it in
1: that much. Depth uh, well, I guess I guess that that's the entity that's signing the yeah. the the group in the end. Mm. Yeah, just like a just like an A and R.
0: Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, there's always going to be cases of A and R men loving bands and the labels just not feeling it. So yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess that that's already a real world problem. So so yeah, the the end goal for that one is is um, more. Varied music, mu- musicians' music, uh, finding its way mm. to the mainstream. Yeah, that's interesting.
1: You know, yeah, um, yeah. It's like that. Um, the uh, like on films. It's right. It's like from from the producers of The Hangover. Yeah. From you know, yeah. you could have you know, brought brought to you by uh, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Here, here he is. Uh, uh, Big legs. Yeah. Johnny Big Legs. <laughs> Johnny Big Legs. <laughs> A new yeah. new. The new Blees artist.
0: Yeah. yeah, totally, man. Like. Yeah, I love that. I, do you remember a few years ago when um, Kanye West did some uh, collaboration with Paul McCartney, and and there were those.
1: Do, do I remember that? Do I want to remember and, it? You know, those. I don't know. Those
0: slightly suspect uh, social media posts of young people going, "Who's this Paul McCartney guy? This is what I love about Kanye. Yeah. He's always shining a light on unknown talent." You know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it would be like that. It would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. right I uh, yeah
1: cool man so like yeah so that uh so you're arguing for um artists doing A&R yeah yeah, yeah. nice um yeah cool then are you, are you happy I'll right, yeah, uh yeah I'll pitch over to you so imagine if you will Steve the best gig you've ever been to mm-hmm uh, do, you, do you remember that gig what's what's uh, what's your best gig you've ever been to
0: i think the best gig i've ever been to was uh tokyo scar paradise orchestra at the uh, um yeah. uh, the oh my gosh i've forgotten the name of the place uh, in london ja- the jazz rooms is it called the jazz rooms
1: i don't know i wasn't there
0: no you weren't there that's true um uh. but yeah oh my <laughs> gosh Ty- you know a band that played to 10,000 plus people in giant stadiums Mm. in in japan coming in to um england where hardly anyone knows of them and it was a tiny little room about 300 people Uh, a couple of dudes from the specials were there and jumped up on stage with them totally uh, unscripted man yeah i was right at the front loads of big sweaty scar fans jumping around me (laughs) high-fiving the band amazing yeah
1: Oh, so good Mm. and um so you probably have quite a strong memory of that Mm -hmm. of that gig not just of the the music but you you know you're talking about the the atmosphere in the room and the you know the the sights the sounds the smells yep all of those things do you remember uh what what you what you ate and drank uh
0: yeah we we went for sushi beforehand um oh nice yep a place right next door to it and then um And then I think I had a beer in the venue, um, but then not wanting to lose my space at the front, Mm. like Mm -hmm. actually like leaning on wedge monitors. Um, I I didn't drink drink for the rest of the gig and then came out of it at the end, like all like (laughs) dehydrated and manky and all. (laughs) had to go and get some bottles of water and just like, yeah, yeah. Amazing. It was.
1: Um, I want to talk to you about, 4d vr gigs okay that's my that's my pitch this week nice uh as, as we said gigs are amazing mm-hmm. and they're amazing because they're more than the music because they're mm-hmm. more than just that the record right mm-hmm. so uh the the adam staff 4d vr gig <laughs> kit yep. includes a, a vr headset that you put your phone in or whatever i don't really care Yep. Um, that's the sort of starter thing you need that mm-hmm. um and then you you purchase on top of that gig packs which include the uh software itself which mm-hmm. i'll talk about a little bit later on in a bit more detail okay but that's basically the 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 gig on on software so like uh the venue the performance the sound all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh a little pack of um uh, of smells in in little vials right that also plug into the uh the headset mm-hmm. which then plugs into your nose um
0: <laughs> That's a really graphic image just plugs into your nose right up there yeah, yeah.
1: like a like a um like a scuba mask right but yeah. a little bit higher yeah um like food and drink so so like bottles cans boxes of of venue beer or or whatever yeah. um And instructions for how that should be like stored and prepared and stuff and then other snacks or whatever things that 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 venue might provide um and then a a little box of other 4d um what i'm I'm thinking of as sort of set dressing right um so that that all comes and uh on on the night of the gig that you're you're wanting to go to the like headset itself Um, has has like room room scanning technology on it Mm -hmm. um so it it knows kind of the layout and the edges where the edges of the room are Mm -hmm. but but this would this would map out you know your entire house if you wanted it to certainly you'll need a a bigger area than maybe just the one room Mm -hmm. Uh, which the software then maps the render of the venue onto your house layout um you then uh, um, unbox the set dressing box um to to prepare areas of your house for the gig so um in the in the room that's going to be the the sort of main hall of the venue you might have um like a big rollout bit of bit of like floor covering that's really sticky or that is like bumpy in a weird way you ever been to a gig where the floor's quite quite <laughs> bumpy in and in a weird way <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. There, there might in that there might be instructions to like break the lock on your own on your toilet door so that, that won't really close properly <laughs> um or there might be sort of uh like a can of soup that you need to like pour into the toilet yeah. bowl ready and, for when and, you turn up later on and
0: a, a pre-made a pre-made uh big big sheet that's like sort of the size of like an a2 piece of paper that's just mm. it looks like a whole load of dirty sticker bomb like sticker bombed thing. Oh, you know, which yes, is covered mate. in stickers and you gotta stick that yeah over the mirror in your bathroom. Yeah.
1: Oh my god, yeah. Yep. So good. Um loads of indie band names that you've never
0: heard of and they're never gonna yeah. up. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the big the big wellies. Yeah. Um obviously you put the vials into the, into the headset. There's sort of a bunch of slots that you slot those into the smell vials. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you would prepare like, um, you might, you might pre pour the beers that you're going to order so they can sit out and get really flat and warm. Yep. Um, you might pre cook maybe some burger or like a, like a hot dog or whatever that Mm -hmm. also needs to sit out and get to room temperature. Yep. Get really stale, those kinds of things. Mm um, so that's all the prep and then uh yeah when when you're ready to go to the gig you would uh go outside pop your headset on and and start queuing for the show uh yeah and software would start and maybe you know 30 to 45 minutes later the doors would open um and you'd be able to go back into your house and uh you know get get your beers find your position in the in the venue yeah obviously all the all the vr stuff is happening there so you know you've got the the sort of slightly odd choices that the sound tech has chosen for the house music while you're going in got the general mm-hmm. susurrus. um depending on the gig you know there might be uh you know three or four people there or it might be like you say ten tens tens of thousands mm-hmm at a, at a big show,
0: <laughs> you might um, be like, like back row of, 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 of yeah, Birmingham NEC, Wembley Stadium, yeah, <laughs> looking looking at uh, 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 an ant-sized Bob Dylan.
1: <laughs> that's <all> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the software has lots of um, like AI uh, audience members, yeah, and you know that that's sort of randomly done, so they could be like really quiet and respectful or they could be sort of singing out of tune for the whole show or sort of bumping into you a little bit yeah, holding
0: um, their phones up and filming everything right in front of you yeah right yeah
1: <laughs> um yeah and then you know good gig, good gig, gig would start lovely all of that gig would end normal normal show stuff mm-hmm. um and then you have to sort of like you know, you, you come out of the venue, which is your house, and probably do a sort of twenty-five minute walk to try and get to public transport or get in a taxi <laughs> or whatever to try and get try and get home in the middle of the night. Yeah, that might be your your first time going to that gig—a sort of typical version of that. Um, but uh, that you can use that software multiple times, and there would be sort of random events that might happen on subsequent sort of playthroughs of that gig. Mm-hmm. Um like maybe one time you get all set up to do it and you the bouncer doesn't let you in because you don't have id or you, you your tickets folded in a weird way that the machine won't scan yeah uh you could have things where like the sound is just really bad you can't hear anything and it's really muffled and boomy and yep. uh all of that especially if you're at the nec or at wembley stadium or something yeah back in the back in row zz yeah um a couple of times you might have a venue power cut during the, uh, <laughs> especially like festival gigs if you've got uh, the software for one of those a uh, yep. uh, power cut right in the middle of the show.
0: Do you remember SimCity on the Super Nintendo? When, when you could, of course. When you'd get a random Bowser attack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Bowser would come and Godzilla your city. You, you could have, like, <laughs> Godzilla attacks. And they could be band-themed as well. So let's say... Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm sure most people listening to this won't have heard of the Aquabats. But let's say you were at an Aquabat VR gig. You could have, like, the giant Mechanical Ape from their song, Mechanical Ape, turn up and, mm. and rampage the gig. Yeah that amazing that would be quite fun I'd pay for that definitely
1: ah oh, that'd be so good the um the the pack that you would buy for your um your uh scarband mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. would come with uh the the set dressing one would come with like lots of like big heavy pillows that you would have to um once you'd once you'd walked to the front of your room and sort of yeah. i don't know what you're pressed up against the table then you would somebody would have to place those weighted pillows all around you so that so that you couldn't move and you were sort of crushed at the front yep maybe at particular points during the gig sort of push those weights <laughs> right up against you <laughs> yeah like this has really set, set my brain off this morning mm. so I was thinking like so that, that's great that's all lovely and that's contemporary gigs but what about like period shows wouldn't you love to go oh, back wow. to like a a, a 60s 60s gig pre pre woodstock or a really early
0: dylan gig or something yeah i mean you said period though man i went straight to like baroque (laughs) okay i was thinking like let's go back several hundred years um wow everyone's in like like you know tudor dress or something and you're in some old manor house in the countryside somewhere and there's a little there's a little chamber chamber string section just like Mm. yeah and 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 yeah you're drinking like i don't know honey mead or something y- yes yes absolutely
1: yeah i love it it'd be really quiet and uh you'd have to sort of set up an open fire maybe in in a <laughs> in a safe place in the room so get that real charcoal smell um you need an or maybe either like one big one or, or maybe multiple big vials of like bo smell yeah um <laughs> <laughs> right i mean that that was something i had written down for like the 60s like hippie sitting gigs but sure yeah there's going to be a real real need for lots of bo smell for all these gigs (laughs) it's (laughs) going to be a real boom for the for the bo scent manufacturers yeah
0: Um,
1: i I quite like a i quite like a 60s gig where uh not not actually but in vr you've taken lsd and sort Mm. of uh like Hendrix has suddenly got 12 arms and yeah. the whole room is spinning and it goes into a sort of a uh, crazy nightmare. Yeah. God, I'm, I'm well into this. Yeah. I
0: mean, <laughs> the more, the more I talk about it, I'm like, wow, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I think it is a, a very groovy idea. Um, pulling it back a little bit. Yeah. Um, how much does this cost and what does that impact on okay. accessibility?
1: Yeah. Um, so, like, a, a, like a current VR headset right now is what grand, grand and a half, something like that.
0: I well, I, I don't know. I mean, my mate just bought a PlayStation VR. I, how much is that? Is that like two hundred, three
1: hundred? And then, uh, yeah, like two hundred and fifty that, plus, plus. you've got a have a PlayStation. You've got to have a
0: PlayStation, yeah. So altogether, so five t- six hundred pounds. About? Yeah, um, it's going to take a few years to develop this. So down the line, VR. A, a good quality VR set, headset will probably be between three and £500, won't it? In, in a few yeah. years' time. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a lot of money to pay. I mean, p- yeah. people don't spend that on their music playback devices. People maybe drop... No, I suppose. People might drop a ton on a pair of like fancy headphones. But okay. re- realistically, people don't spend that much on playback devices. Admittedly, this is more than just a playback device. And if mm. any vr headset could be used yeah, yeah. then of course it's multi-purpose uh, it's multifaceted in that respect um maybe subscribing to a, a company that sends oh. you the kits um cool and i'm sure future vr headsets might have things in them where you put little capsules of fluid and it, it kind of gives off uh, aromas and things um mm. for a bit more of a 4d experience um I think I think some of the logistical stuff is obviously it's funny to talk about but it's not really feasible. But to to, to I think the di- the diehard fan I think would be uh, up for that, that would be the premium package, right? That's air quotes, yeah. premium package. Uh, where other people actually come to your house and help enact the gig by pushing mm. you around <laughs> and yeah. and serving you <laughs> lukewarm beers. Um Yeah. But oh but yeah, uh I think certainly as a consumer product, that would be cool because you could, let's say several of you have all got these, you know, five to 10 years Mm. in the future when VR headsets are more, much more commonplace. Um, You and a bunch of mates all have VR headsets. You could all decide that, uh, you know, at 7.30 on Thursday evening, you're all going to jump online together and go to the same gig. And you've got these VR personas. You don't really watch films, do you? You've not seen Ready Player One? No. Okay. No, I haven't seen that one. Quick premise, Ready Player One, the real world sucks because of overpopulation. So everyone spends all their time living in their tiny, like, studio apartment-y type spaces in a VR suit, living in, in a virtual reality world where there's all the space they could want. So... You get home of an evening after work and rather than be all like miserable and depressed because you're in this tiny space, you jump into the VR realm where possibilities are endless. It's that sort of a thing. Everyone gets home from school. they like, yeah, see you at the gig. Everyone gets home, puts on their VR headsets. They all like show up in these recognisable VR avatars that they've got and they're all at a venue that's VR, a real world place and... Yeah, they go in and there's... And maybe it's also populated with all other people from VR, Mm whatever. Yeah, why not? everybody in the gig, although they're virtual reality avatars, are actually... Behind each avatar is a real person. Um, And that might make the gig way bigger than what it would be in real life because maybe in real life the band, because of their their status, might only be able to fill a small two, three hundred person venue... But if you're doing it over the internet, you, you know, basically virtual gigs already exist, right? Yeah. People do yeah, think, yeah. I'm going to live stream a gig. A yeah. hundred thousand people watch it on YouTube. What you're pr- suggesting is having those hundred thousand people all with VR headsets at the gig vir- mm-hmm. virtually. And so they're all yeah. interacting. They can talk to each other. They can see each other. They can move around within the gig space. Yeah.
1: That's... And... and uh yeah getting get that that full more than the music experience mm-hmm.
0: totally and how um, much mm. and, and how much would it cost a band to put on a vr gig well logistically speaking
1: from a so from a technical point of view like uh, like like a like an ambisonic mic mm-hmm. popped somewhere 3d mic Mm -hmm. 3d uh like camera sort of 360 Mm -hmm. camera somewhere in in the venue or an an array of those to Mm -hmm. get you a sort of um like move aroundable 3d thing those things already exist um probably it would fall to like specialist venues Mm -hmm. a a bit like you have like dolby certified cinemas Mm -hmm. you would have uh you know 4d gig experience certified venues right um that could that could be an add-on to the the band's tour you know they would just say oh yeah and in this one you've got the option to to do this big 4d stream thing yeah Um, that's that's how i would imagine that that working um the with with obviously with with bigger artists and bigger tours they they might want to have their own rigs for those things Mm -hmm. like they would with their pa or whatever um
0: i suppose yeah and then venues would hire that out venues you know so even if you're hmm. a smaller band yeah. you know you would specifically book a venue that is 4d ready and yep. you would tell all your fans about it and they pre-order their tickets and pay in advance to cover the cost of yeah yeah yeah, yeah totally okay yeah, 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 yeah
1: makes sense man and i don't see why the the sort of pack that you get with the with the software the and the, and all the dressing mm-hmm shouldn't be more than like a premium ticket price mm. Pe- people pay 50 100 150 quid for, for for a sort of big act ticket yeah um i think there's every argument that, that that it could be that much and and more given the sort of replayability and given the like 4 Dness yeah. of all of that um I, I i feel like that's something fans are already paying mm. um but, but now that access okay it's, it's it's it has a sort of upfront cost for the, the technology but um the access, you you don't you, now, you can have that experience without being in a london or a new york or a you know you can live in rural wales and still go to to a big stadium gig yeah you know you can you can go to that that one stevie wonder gig a year in the uk
0: mm. um cool I like it. I like it a lot. I think it's. I think. I think realistically, you know, we're, we're a few years away from that technology being totally, yeah, uh, at, at a more accessible price point. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I think it's a cool idea.
1: Right. And I think there's two different. two really cool ideas this week. Actually, yes. I'm, I think we've we've we're four episodes in. I think we've actually cracked out a a couple a couple of winners here.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Although. Although if we if we're gonna if we're gonna have these ideas duke it out. I think yours comes with a uh, firstly there's the there will always be a price point with yours. Accessibility. Yeah. Um, and whilst it's a really cool product to be able to offer fans and customers, is it gonna change the music industry? Or is it gonna be yeah. I th- is it going to be a thing, a feature and, that, and, you know, and just like has virtual reality gaming actually changed the video uh, game industry uh, or is it a nice yeah. little niche product that those who can afford yeah. it can play with? But realistically Joe public still just playing like Fortnite and, and S- smash bros on their on their switches and playstations without vr Mm. (sighs) have all the game developers gone oh no we need to stop making normal games and change the way we're making games to be vr or they're going okay Mm. we're going to keep making normal games but let's set up a small vr division and they can just cater to that little small bit of the market you know that that's (laughs) the one thought i have here is that is it a game changer that will save the music industry
1: I can't really. I haven't got anything to say to that, except uh, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it is like it's it's an extension of something that's already there. I don't think it. it,
0: uh, I mean, it's it's a great uh, idea, and it will it will be able to bring live experiences to people who live in like you say, live in backwater places, middle of nowhere. You know, what if you live on a tiny little island off the coast of New Zealand? (laughs) No one's ever going to come to you to play a big Mm. gig. You can go to Woodstock, you can go to Wembley, you can go to NEC, or, or, or I don't know why I say NEC, mm. but you know, you could go to the the Vienna Opera House and and see your favourite jazz artist, it, that sort of a thing. Um, and that's a that's an awesome product to have, but it's 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 like an additional thing that's tacked on to the music industry. And yeah. It's it's not going to change consumption trends or how money it's not gonna massively change how money flows through the industry or 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 anything like that is the way I'm looking at it. Uh yeah I think you're right. Whereas having bands pick what bands get signed that's per my idea, I think has yeah. more scope and potential to go boom, wow this Mm. is all a bit different this is all a bit new we've not heard music like this before and so on and so on yeah
1: right i i i think i think i think you're right i think it's gonna i can see that being welcome across all parts of the that process like i feel like the upcoming artist is gonna is gonna find that really beneficial and and feel like um you know they're far more likely to trust uh, an established act than to trust a label. Mm. I, f- I feel like um, an established artist who's doing this has has got a great opportunity to like to mentor and to curate and to bring up music that they want to hear more of. Mm. And I think and I honestly think the labels will be happy to, to like wash their hands of A and R and just be like, mm. you know, we I I don't feel like we ever really got this 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 right felt like a bit yeah. of a crapshoot yeah. um very happy for somebody else to, t- to take <laughs> yeah, this on yeah, yeah. um mm. uh yeah i think it's yours lad
0: okay so we have a winner, winner.
1: That's that makes it 3-1, Steve.
0: 3-1. For the series. Yeah.
1: Ah, geez. Mm. Yeah, well played. Thank you, well man. Well played.
0: But, I mean, come um, on, your idea is awesome. And part of me yeah. suspects that already there are, there are a bunch of nerdy IT people figuring out exactly how to do mm. this. And uh, before long, we'll see it. And the world will go, that was Adam's idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and then we, we can, we can, we can sue them even though they'd already had the idea. It would be like that, um, (laughs) Katy Perry flame tune. Yeah. Right. Oh Oh, my God. (laughs) uh, I can't believe that came out the week after Uh, our, our copyright episode or something.
1: Yeah. Was it the week after the record? Oh, um, after
0: the record. I don't think it said yet. Has it the copyright one?
1: Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. So we're, we're recording now the day before episode three comes out.
0: Right. Yeah. There we go. Um, and episode and so three. When is, that drops, yeah. Yes. Yeah, when uh, that
1: drops tomorrow, uh, you'll you'll have already heard it, listener. Yeah. But um, and, uh, when we, that drops, we, you'll see how. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. We almost should have done a a posthumous kind of analysis retrospective mm. on that, shouldn't we? Actually thinking about it, because. But you know what?
1: Those those stories aren't going to go away. No. Um, no I not. think the more the more those judgments happen, I think the more the more copyright holders are going to be emboldened by it, and mm. they're going to continue to. To sue, yeah. Um, maybe there's 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 a lack of consensus within, um, like musicology within, like music training as to as to where this line is, yeah. Um, because it seems it seems easy to find somebody who's going to make the argument, who's going to make a strong enough argument for similarity, where there. I think the consensus among musicians, at least people I've spoken to, and the the consensus on social media is that. That's that's not a level of similarity that, that we agree with. Mm. It's going to be interesting to see how that, that whole thing runs. Mm-hmm. I don't like it very much at all. No, me No, neither. thank you.
0: No. Anyway, we should wrap this one up. S- yeah. Well, that was episode four of Adam and Steve Save the Music Industry. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. And um, on the next one, we might have something a little special for you. But in the meantime, um, I've been Steve. You can follow me on the internet uh places uh most of it's at opus science um as always go to band camp buy my music i recently released a, a indie game soundtrack uh it's very cheap mm.
1: oh man it's a banger it's oh, an absolute you, banger man. i love thank those tunes.
0: yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah that's uh that's uh if you like a little bit of sort of sega mega drive sounding funk stuff then yeah go for that um and i've still got some vinyls to shift i could really do with shifting those so go buy my vinyls uh, it's all on my Bandcamp. camp that's band camp uh, no opussciencecollective.bandcamp.com um yeah adam
1: nice yeah i've i've been adam staff um I, all, all my places are i've got i've got a lovely website adamstaff.co.uk um that, that i built with my own fair hands um those teenage years learning a bit of html have have actually paid off a little bit
0: no wix subscriptions um, for you
1: <laughs> no way baby um and uh i'm uh, at aj staff on twitter and at adam staff underscore producer on instagram um there's i, I do things most mostly lots of uh retweets of stuff on, on Twitter. I can't get enough of uh, a journalist called Cherry mm. Who and uh, she writes for Forbes and Bloomberg mm. um, and she also does a, a podcast and a newsletter. It's, ju- it's just like really amazing, really insightful, like journalism around music and technology. Um, and but, uh, I, my Twitter feed, like for a little while has mainly been retweets of her, of her work, because really dig it. Um, so it's a little recommendation where well, i'm supposed to be promoting myself go go check go check cherry out good. <laughs> okay thanks for tuning in yeah, see you later thanks for listening Bye. bye